will find you. And I will kill you. Yeah. I am the walrus. Shut the fuck up, Donnie. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. What we've got here is failure to communicate. Mrs. Robinson, you're trying to seduce me. <laughs> Aren't you? Was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? Hell no! Just been revoked. Open the pod bay doors, huh? I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Because it is my name! I see Dave. Today, Junior? Ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? What? You'll shoot your eye out, kid. Like scary. Uh huh. What's your favorite scary? The price is wrong, bitch. Welcome to Critics Not Cynics, the podcast that tries to prove that you can be a critic without being a cynic. And this is probably the second episode in the same week that uh, hopefully you've been listening to the podcast because Pat and I recorded a Snyder Cut uh, review of Justice League and we had a nice, fun, nerdy, geeky conversation about the four-hour epic of that movie. Uh, so this one might be a little bit shorter, but uh, I'm joined by Leslie again this week since we're continuing our reviews of the MCU shows on Disney+. Plus. Leslie, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. It's uh, It's been been busy with recording two episodes for sure. Yeah. Uh, he, he dropped it on me all of a sudden, was like, hey, I'm going to re- we're going to record this day. And I was like, oh. Okay, (laughs) but yeah, we had a great conversation with it. Uh, After you finish the Snyder Cut, you should totally go and listen to that review. Uh, Although I think we both uh, fanboyed over it quite enough um, that I don't think it'll be any surprises to hear what we say in that review. Um, (laughs) But you have a little bit of an announcement to make for your show, so I'm going to turn that over to you. Yeah, um, I just wanted to kind of let everybody know that if you went and there was no episode and you were kind of freaking out why, um, it's just on pause for a little bit. So the week that you're listening to this episode, I will be getting more information, um, not anybody to freak out, but about a possible jaw surgery. So I did not want to like start Travelers and then have to stop it if my jaw is going to be wired shut for eight weeks, you know. It's not really conducive. uh, It's not conducive to podcasting. Let's just say that. Right. (laughs) So I, I, the expanse reviews are like complete, you know, and it's like a a whole complete thing that's there. And I just kind of wanted to leave it there. And I, again, I didn't want to like get two episodes into travelers and suddenly, you know, I can't talk really well enough for recording. I mean, I know you can still talk with your jaw wired shut, but I mean, I don't, I don't know that I want to test that out for how well does that sound for the podcast, you know? Well, the good news on that, well, if you have to have that uh, done, you'll give you plenty of time to binge watch Travelers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it would. Um, and, you know, again, it'll be that, that same week you're listening to this is when I'll have more information and be able to actually say, like, what's going to happen and what's not. So... You know, it could be one of those things where they're like, we can get you in next week. Or it could be like, OK, six months from now, you know, I, you know how it goes. Right. You always got to kind of plan for any anything that you don't know uh, is solid. You don't have solid dates for it or anything like that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we did want to say that we will be reviewing all of the episodes of Falcon and Winter Soldier on this show because we were originally planning on breaking it up and alternating between the two podcasts. But 
Uh, we're going to ch- try to do it all here, try to do one episode a week uh, since they're releasing uh, one at a time as of recording. You know, they, they only did one, whereas one division did the two. Um, and then we'll adjust based on any anything with that schedule. Uh, you know, <laughs> people are used to us kind of taking some breaks here and there, especially when we hit peak season at our nine to five jobs. So, yeah. Um, but with that said, we, we hope, uh, you know, everything goes well with all that and it's nothing, nothing too crazy. Um, I know you're not particularly a huge fan of the dentist, so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you're, if you're uh, not a fan of a dentist, I always recommend watching the horror film, The Dentist. That will re-solidify no. your yeah. dislike of dentists. Um, yeah, it's like, I've made good progress with my anxiety. I don't need to, like, <laughs> you know, go backwards. Okay. Well, again, we hope everything goes well with that. And uh, on that note, Let's go ahead and pretty much just dive into it. Like we said, I, I I don't have actually a whole lot to really say about this episode. I think um, when we were doing the WandaVision stuff, it was easier to talk about more things in grander context because we were dealing with two episodes of content and seeing what that next episode built off of the framework that was set up in the first episode. But I will say um, that people who were maybe turned off by WandaVision right away because of its format and how it was telling its story and it was a slow build. I think that this will be what they were looking for. Um, with yeah, Falcon when Soldier. I was watching it, I definitely thought, like, all the people who were thrown off by WandaVision will probably be all about this one. Absolutely. I mean, because it even starts off pretty action-packed right at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, and minor spoilers, uh, I, I don't think we do, since we don't know enough in the grander context of things, I don't think that there's anything big spoilerly ish. Uh, I know you have some speculation about who the big bad villain is, um, <laughs> which I, I, I don't really disagree with you on. And we'll get into that at the end, uh, when we get to the end of talking about the, the episode of itself. Um, but this really kind of starts off right in the middle of the action. You got Sam on a mission with the U.S. government, um, which for me was a little suspicious, um, considering the Sokovia Accords and kind of his outlaw status prior uh, to Endgame and, and Infinity War, that all of a sudden now he would be lumping himself with uh, the military again, I would assume, obviously, that some pardon was given because of helping save the world. Um, <laughs> but Sam's kind of willingness to go back to the to the Air Force or, or the military seemed a little bit off to me. But I'm assuming um, either it's a return to form for him, like he wants to get back to a sense of normalcy or uh, we'll get more on that uh, later on. What do you think? Yeah, I think it's probably more along the sense of normalcy of like realizing you've been blipped for five years and kind of, you know, everything's different and trying to reestablish your life, refigure out kind of who you are because yeah. everybody's changed around you. You know, you haven't had that five years to grow and change and, you know, experience um, half the people gone. Right. <laughs> like everyone else has. He even has the line about, you know, his uh, nephews, like they were babies when he was blipped and now they're mm-hmm. little little men essentially uh now that he's back uh but i i also did like um i can't remember if it was right there but at some point they do establish the timeline this is about half a year uh since the end of endgame and i kind of like that it, it's it's given itself some distance uh even from the events of wandavision although um one thing I did feel like the episode was missing was the lack of recognition of the events of WandaVision. Um, you and I were talking a little bit before recording how it would have been maybe just nice to even see it on a newspaper or uh, on on the TV, just playing in the background, something about maybe an anniversary of the three six months of, you know, the events in Westview or whatever. It would have been kind of nice to make it feel, even though we know this world's connected, uh, that connection, you know, being more solidified. Yeah, show it somehow. Because that was... The, and, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say about the time thing, I kind of... 
we kind of have appreciated some kind of time card, yeah. you know? I mean, I know that they said it, but it's one of those things that you could like easily miss. I, I kind of would have liked just like one of those little tick, 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 you know, across the bottom to be like six months after it in game or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. That would have been, that would also been helpful if you're, cause if you're not really paying attention, you could miss that dialogue, uh, mm-hmm. easily. Um, and I just lost what whatever train of thought I was going to have. But anyways, <laughs> uh, what I also really liked was the return of Batrock, um, the Leaper, you know, yeah. uh, George St. Pierre. Because, uh, like, that's such a wacky villain from the comic books that I really loved what the Russo brothers did with him in Winter Soldier. And to kind of see him return and, and have some fun again with that character was really mm-hmm. cool. And I really liked that entire chase sequence. Uh, I thought it was really well done. And uh, visually, it, it's on par with the Marvel movies. I know we'll probably have some weaker moments because this will probably be more action-packed than WandaVision was, for example. But uh, I, I did really like the, the set piece here. Yeah, I like that they brought him back, too, because he was in Winter Soldier and we have Bucky and then we have Falcon, you know, and we're kind of like not that Bucky has like experienced fighting him, but it was, you know, just that movie that he was also in. And I I like the the keeping the villain and sort of like we established this was the Captain America villain sort of a thing and, and kind of having him for them. Right. And uh, so even if he's not the main guy, absolutely. Well, and we don't know, maybe he could show up later (laughs) on. I mean, I know he won't be like the main villain, obviously, but Mm -hmm. he can't he could possibly not be a one shot from one episode. But even if he even if he is, it's still really nice to kind of still fall back on acknowledgement of previous characters. And I finally remembered what I was going to say about uh, we were talking about the connection with WandaVision. One of the main complaints of like a show like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and not necessarily a complaint about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but more about the MCU was not feeling that interconnectedness that they kind of marketed Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. being. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. kind of always took the effort to acknowledge the movies and set up events that like happen that we kind of hear about in the movies, but outside of it, like. No one ever talks about Coulson. No one ever talks about what the, his little team is doing. And so I don't want these MCU Disney shows to repeat that mistake. Now, I don't think they will because obviously they're using them as platforms to launch new story ideas and introduce new characters to then star in the movies. But I still think you need to make sure that there's still some semblances of connection to the previous Shows Because even if you don't want to make these multi-seasonal shows, you could almost then view WandaVision as season one of MCU television. And then season two is Falcon and Winter Soldier. Season three, Loki, and so on and so forth. That you could almost market it that way. So I I hope that uh, this isn't doesn't become a problem or doesn't develop into a problem where they fail to kind of acknowledge any of the other existing properties. Yeah. Anything else that's taken place. And I, I know it was mostly politics behind the scenes of why like agents of shield and that sort of stuff wasn't recognized. And I haven't, I believe haven't they like sold it at this point. So they're like completely, separated themselves from it it basically is uh because i think like hellstrom on hulu was going to be the last of the old marvel studio like television studios um yeah stuff that was uh, headed by jeff Loeb, and i mean they were going to do a a ghost rider show and like they immediately ended up like nixing it uh and hellstrom was already kind of in production and so they I think actively, even though I've I've only watched like the first few minutes of the first episode, I wasn't really digging it, but I think they actively tried to kill that show because it immediately got canceled after its first season. So my only worry going forward is like, I feel like they can, they can obviously like do another ghostwriter or whatever. But my worry is that like, if they wanted to do quake, mm -hmm. like there's going to be a whole hullabaloo over, you know, whether it should be Chloe Bennett and whether they should connect and like, like there'll be like a big infight of fans and politics going on if they ever wanted to like reestablish that character. Yeah. I, I I could see that being an issue. Um, my, my guess 
depending on what she will be doing, because I th- I do believe she just got cast in the Powerpuff uh, Girls live action show, and so I mean <laughs> she's going to be kind of busy doing that. So if there's any plans of maybe bringing her into it. I'm not 100% sure. And this is the one thing, and I'm, I mean, I know we're diverging a little bit from the show itself, but it's still dealing with the MCU. Um, the whole recasting thing, like with Chadwick Boseman. Um, personally, because we we have survived recastings in the MCU. Uh, Edward Norton was recast with Mark Ruffalo for Bruce Banner. Um, Terrence Howard was replaced by Don uh, Cheadle. Um, so it's, it's something that we're not, um, we've never seen before. I mean, heck, even the Batman movies did it back in the day. You had the two Michael Keatons and then you had Val Kilmer and George Clooney and, and so on and so forth. And now we got Robert Pattinson, Christian Bale, Ben Affleck. People can adjust if, Uh especially if you get someone that is on caliber or more. And as much as I love Chadwick Boseman's performance as T'Challa, I think it's disrespectful to the character of Black Panther itself if they decide, okay, well, well, we're not going to recast because he just immortalized the role, which I won't say he necessarily did or didn't do. But so now we're going to shelf this character that we just introduced that had a fantastic movie and entry, a solo entry into the MCU and now we're going to maybe bring back Michael B. Jordan as Killmonger, make him a good guy and let him take on the Black, Black Panther mantle or, or pass it off on to Shuri or something. It It's a little disingenuous to me. Um, I, I think that they do not think audience members can course correct and understand that. It was one thing back at the DC fandom stuff where Walter Hamada was finally coming to the understanding that Audience members aren't stupid. They they can they can think and they can reconcile differences. They can look at the Superman on the Superman and Lois TV show and say that that's that world Superman and still go and watch uh, Man of Steel and see Henry Cavill as that Superman and keep those two separated from each other rather than this practice of, well, we're going to use this character in a movie, so now you have to discontinue using him in your television show because we don't want to confuse audience members. Yeah, I don't think it's so much about confusing audience members as, like, just the people who will will just cause, you know, a ruckus of, like, it should have been Chloe Bennett, blah, 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 and they'll all, like, throw a hissy fit. And, and, I mean, maybe if they can somehow retcon Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. to be in that lasting uh, continuity, maybe uh, then they can bring Chloe back. But my guess is, uh, and it would also have to be, would she want to come back, you know? Oh, yeah, definitely. I'm just theorizing. Right. It, it would it would definitely have to be something of the sense of, okay, do we want to really create an MCU version or do we kind of want to export her existing character and her hardships mm-hmm. and story and somehow supplant it into the MCU. But mostly I just want May. <laughs> <laughs> well, May was, May was a good character, but Hey, at least we're getting her in the, in the Mandalorian. So, right. Uh, I mean, she's pretty much almost the same character in the Mandalorian and that's not, that's not a criticism. That's not a criticism. Uh, Cause I really do like uh, Ming-Na. And uh, in fact, I always keep forgetting she was Chun-Li in the original Street Fighter movie, and she was one of my favorite parts about that movie. So, um, okay, after that little diversion, sorry, um, no, 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 it's 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 cool because maybe we just padded some time um, <laughs> unintentionally. Anyways, let's getting back to that. You know, Sam completes his mission, and I think that this, honestly, this next scene um, with the shield was probably the best kind of laurel leaf to people who were really upset that Cap gave the shield to Sam at the end of Endgame um, because they wanted it to be Bucky or because they might have some extreme political beliefs personally. I mean, my stance on that scenario, on that situation was Bucky should have gotten it, but only because Bucky, Bucky was his partner, was his best friend, had a longer history with Steve than Sam, and also, just because in continuity of the comic books, 
Bucky got it first, then Cap came back, and then it got passed on to Sam. So, like, for me, it's like I like that kind of continuity to line to follow through. But I also wasn't uh, like, oh, my God, I can't believe they gave it to Sam. I, I really ultimately didn't care. I wanted it to be Bucky, but I was also happy for Sam. But I liked that Sam still doesn't feel like he's worthy of it. And mm-hmm. that is kind of an acknowledgement of what maybe critics of that moment felt like. And also people who are looking at the characterization of, well, Sam's only been known Steve for maybe a couple years now, a few years. And Bucky is that person that went through, you know, hell and high water with him in in World War Two, that it was this thing of like, okay, well, I can't actually embody the symbol of the shield. So I'm going to turn it over to the Smithsonian and mm-hmm. have it be immortalized because I can't live up to the image of Steve. He's one of a kind. And so I think that that was a nice, like, little laurel leaf moment. What do you think? Yeah, I liked it. I, I feel like it relates back better to, like, the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Like, when I think about that scene, then I think about the ending scene there, and it has more impact for me that way. So I don't know if you want to skip to that or just, like, wait. We'll, we'll, we'll wait. We'll, we'll circle back back as the white house press secretary likes to say we'll circle back (laughs) we'll circle back (laughs) um so you know that's about we're getting about half halfway through to the episode and now we finally start seeing bucky and kind of how he's adjusting now it threw me off for a second but then of course i realized what was actually happening you know he was back in his winter soldier garb yeah and he had the the old arm yeah he had the old uh carbonadium arm and I was like, well, wait, wait a minute. I'm like, surely Marvel's not that stupid to be like, oh, yes, we're going to let this huge kind of inconsistency last. And then, of course, it's revealed it's just a nightmare memory. Uh, and mm-hmm. I was like, OK, now I understand what's happening. Um, and I really liked his interplay with his therapist. Oh, I loved that. That was amazing. <laughs> like just that kind of threatening motion of all right, I'm getting my notebook, I'm clicking the pen, <laughs> and, you know, part of his pardon and everything is he has to talk, otherwise she's going to write stuff down. Um, and I also liked kind of his making amends with the Hydra senator. Uh, yeah. I thought that that was, was pretty well done, too. Um, but why don't you talk a little bit about that scene and what oh, you like about I, it? One of the things that I really liked about that scene is that she was a soldier herself, so mm-hmm. it's not like they just sent him to some civilian therapist who has no idea about like war and what it's like to be there at all. I mean, like no offense to any like civilian (laughs) therapist or anything, but there is kind of a difference. I feel like when you've been in a certain experience that you kind of need somebody who's kind of been through it before to, to really feel like you can, they can understand you and you can open up. But I just, I loved their interplay with like, she knows how to, you know, work him and, I mean, even though he's kind of like he he's kind of like a big figure, you know, yeah. but like she still knows how to like work him and like, All right, I'm taking out the notebook. You know, I'm going to write it down, you know, kind of treating him a little bit like a child. But yeah, yeah, and- I liked I did like his I'm making amends thing and like doing that smile. That's like I'm forcing a smile. It was so <laughs> funny. That was hilarious. Well, did I you, just uh, loved did you it. catch one of the names in his notebook? Because, I mean, it's going to make an impact later on in the show. Um, I wasn't looking that hard at his notebook, honestly, when it came up. Who's Zemo. Oh, his name is on there. Yeah. Yeah. So that's going to, I kind of liked, it's a small detail because we knew Zemo was going to be in the show. Um, Mm -hmm. But I liked that that was a detail because he's got kind of like a, a, almost like two lists. He's got the bad people he needs to make amends (laughs) with. And then he's got the good people he needs to make amends with. And that, um, that interplay, and funny enough, today is the birthday of the actress who plays the uh, the therapist. I thought that was <laughs> kind of weird, but cool. Uh, but I, I I also liked kind of the uh, the trust thing, and he was like, okay, well, I'll just give her my cell phone. That that shows my trust, and she does actually go through it, but it's also a flip phone. I was about to say, he has a flip phone. <laughs> um, which is kind of like a nice little callback to uh, Civil War and Infinity War with, like, Tony being like, oh, my God, who still uses a flip phone, you know? <laughs> um, so that was kind of nice. And having the the 
you know, not even 10 numbers in his phone, but also that he was ignoring texts from Sam because that's establishing that Sam has been trying to communicate with Bucky. And for some reason, Bucky is not in a place that he can have those conversations. Um, But then what comes next is, I think, one of my favorite parts. I I will say the because I think my complaint about the the episode in of itself is it starts at 60. It starts with that action scene and it really builds up the momentum. And then it drops down to about 20 miles. You know, it's like (laughs) it it, and it's not a bad thing because, I mean, a lot of it is, uh, you know, expanding characterizations uh, establishing more of who Sam is like we kind of know who Bucky is but Mm -hmm. outside of what we've seen Sam do in the movies we don't know about his extended family didn't even know he had a sibling or nephews you know or anything like that so I understand the show needing to take those moments to establish those characters but of the kind of character development um, sections of this episode Bucky's I thought was the best i liked the um the asian man um you know kind of being that i don't know what the right term is but just being really kind of funny but serious at the same time and the whole uh oh i thought we were getting lunch today and only if you're buying and then (laughs) we you know kind of find out that the reason why bucky is really close to this man is in that flashback, the the guy he kills that's a witness was his son. Yeah. And so it's really nice to see that Bucky is trying to make those amends with this man, just not figuring out how to do it because of how nice he is. And and he doesn't want to be the one to tell him I, I murdered your your son. It's very yeah. much like going back to Civil War with him coming back to kind of Bucky and not being Winter Soldier and Tony's reaction to finding out he killed his parents. Mm-hmm. Um, I also liked the uh, the the date set up scene too. <laughs> that was pretty funny. <laughs> and I like that when she's like, how old are you? And he's like 106 and she's laughing and he's like, ah, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> now I did for a moment when they are actually at the date, uh, I thought she might have actually been a spy because like i thought she wasn't going to be lifting a game i thought she was going to be lifting a gun because like that's kind of just where my like my mind was thinking that okay maybe this all happened a little too easily and like what what is going to be kind of bucky's catalyst for the show um Mm -hmm. and we just it's not revealed yet but i did like that um that uh that date scene and kind of the interaction and conversation that they have. I thought it was really good. And, and is humanizing Bucky uh, now in the present that we haven't quite seen, um, you know, since Captain America first Avenger, because, you know, Uh he was basically a villain winter soldier gets somewhat redemption in uh, civil war, and then only has a very small part in Infinity War and Endgame. So I really liked kind of this fleshing out and showing him adapting. Because, again, he's also a man out of time. So he still has to adapt to a lot of these changes. Yeah, because um, at first when he was hanging out with um, Yuri, yeah. I thought it was somebody that maybe he used to know who still happened to be alive. I thought so, too, because he even makes the comment, another one not past 90 didn't make it. And like I was thinking yeah. he was talking about a, a World War II vet, you know. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. But I did like that that was, you know, changed, that it was actually the son, you know, because of mm-hmm. the murder of the son. Now, one thing we didn't really talk about yet, we kind of glossed over, was... Um, Sam's kind of military partner uh, at the beginning it kind of goes on his own to follow this group called was it Flagstaff I believe is the name of or it Flag Smashers Flag Smashers something um, like that and he yeah uh, Torres yeah Torres is keeping kind of like because he's all kind of excited to be working with an Avenger and everything and he's he's young he's gung-ho and he wants to contribute good um, so he uh he goes and kind of infiltrates uh, a meeting of the group in, I think, like, Germany or something. Yeah, I think uh, it was Germany. And now I might have missed it, but I didn't see him getting beat up. Did I miss that? 
Or was oh, yeah, that he got beat up. Okay, I totally missed it. I must have, like, walked away from the TV for a second. Because uh, I had totally kind of had missed it and then was like, wait a minute, when did any of this happen <laughs> when he finally talks to Sam? Um, but then we also get Sam and his interplay with his sister and uh, kind of their butting of heads of what to do with the family boat. Um, the nephews were fantastic. I, I, I really loved them, especially when <laughs> they go for the bank loan and she's like, no video games and do this and do this. And they go, okay, do this, do this. And yes to video games. <laughs> <laughs> um, but this was, I, I think like this was where it, it spent too much time with, with Sam on developing the background. Like I didn't necessarily mind the scene at the wharf and, and like talking about that and, um, you know, trying to help his sister out, but then taking it a step further and going through the whole bank loan process, I didn't really like like the banker. I understand is like that normal fanboy type of thing, but I didn't mm-hmm. really like that. Like I, I understood the explanation for why, even though Sam knew all of like the terms and stuff that could uh, you know make him valid for a loan, um, but the fact that the blip has kind of thrown that paperwork out and it's not as easy to get the loan stuff. It was a little too much for me. I, I think like that, that scene one, I didn't really super like the blank banker uh, and his like, Oh, I'm a fanboy, but now I'm going to decline you for a loan. But Hey, can I get a selfie? You know, it just, it was, it was not, um, or, I'm trying to find the right term for it. It just, it, it didn't mesh with me. Uh, like the scene I don't know. just didn't I f- work. I felt like it was slow, like you said, and everything kind of really slowed down. And I'm kind of like, you know, two hands. Like on one hand, I felt like everything really slowed down the pace. But on the other hand, I'm like, it's character development they wouldn't be able to do in a movie. And I right. kept thinking that too. Because I kept thinking they wouldn't be able to take this time with Sam and his family in a movie. So we're getting it here and we're getting also kind of to see a little bit how things are going now that everybody has um, come back from the blip. Right. Because I'm sure they're not the only ones experiencing difficulty with a bank or a loan and stuff like that. But then again, on the other hand, I go back and I'm like, this is really slow and it's not as engaging yeah. as Bucky's story. Right. And that's where I'm like when it when it's taking those moments uh, and, and and doing more of that character development, it just it just didn't work for as much for Sam. Like the first part, again, like I didn't really mind the wharf scene and stuff like that. And and uh, and, you know, talking to the other people and talking to his nephews. Yeah, maybe if they had done the bank in the next episode, that's, what I, like that's if, where I was going to go if, next with it. Yeah. If they had just had that whole, you Broken know, they're having a, a tiff. Bit. And then go to the bank next time. Right. And still keep the, the scene there at the end where, you know, he's talking to Torres and they're talking about the group. And then she comes in and turns on the news. Mm-hmm. And this is we're finally kind of circling back to it. I because we, we didn't mention it, but Rhodey is there at the at the ceremony uh, for the induction of of the shield. Mm-hmm. And Rhodey kind of gives him the thing of. This probably wasn't a good idea. And yeah. Sam like, well, I but I can't be the one responsible for the shield. Like this is where it needs to be. It can't belong to anyone else. And I think that this is where you really feel Sam's betrayal. Or not him him betraying anything, but the betrayal that's done to him because you yeah. have that department of defense guy come out saying we we need this new symbol we have a new captain and his name is blah 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 and you have john walker come out and what's probably the most intentionally ostentatious interpretation of the captain america costume (laughs) Uh, it's deliberate like it, it doesn't look bad i'm not saying it looks bad but like it's it's what when you're looking at focus groups and media groups mm-hmm. and, and you're uh, doing these test marketing audience stuff, like it's what they're deeming this, what, Oh, this markets really well. We, you know, we're going to go with the star being part of an a, and um, we're going to have the red stripes, uh, uh, you know, um, horizontally up on the chest and, and stuff like that. And so, but that, but now we have the shield in a complete unknown. Yeah. No one that we can have that trust is going to do the right thing with the shield. Whereas we knew, at least with Sam, 
he would never use it for nefarious purposes. And so now mm-hmm. we have this complete unknown enter into the arena, and that's pretty much where the episode ends. But you yeah. have some nice speculation about John Walker. Well, I just you have that whole scene with Torres meeting all of those those people. I mean, they don't talk to him. They just they're all walking around and then running with those masks. But the guy who's robbing the bank, like, does the whole, you know, superhero jump out of the bank with the bags and like kicks a guy halfway across the street. And that's who, you know, beats Torres up. And I was I was totally afraid when he went to kick him in the head that they were going to, like, watch us smash his head like yeah. a grape. And I'm like, this is not Game of Thrones. This is not <laughs> Disney Plus. I don't want to see this, you know, like, um, so I'm glad that it just, like, hit his face and there wasn't, like, you know, right, or right. cut away to a sound or anything. Because I was like, no, Torres, we just <laughs> met him. <laughs> but him doing all of that and then we cut to like and here's your new captain america and he's walking out and i'm like why do i feel like they're the same person or it's gonna turn out that they're the same person or something yeah i'm, like, I'm i i don't know pretty much i think in the same boat as you because i i think my response to you back was because he's not supposed to be a good guy <laughs> <laughs> um i think like i mean it might be two different people but i i just feel like that whole we get that scene and then then we have the new cap walking out i'm like are they like gonna be the same guy well and i mean we're gonna have kind of three sets of villains if this is the case because then we're gonna have the flag smashers we're gonna have Zemo and we're going to have Walker. So it's like these, these are all going to have to be connected in some form or manner. Obviously like Zemo is probably going to be a, a, a wild card that's brought into it. Cause we know he's currently locked away. Um, but if Walker is the head of the flag smashers, he could be that kind of Hydra agent in a sense that's, you know, manipulating things on the inside can unleash Zemo uh, so Zemo can go rain havoc and holy hell. Um, And of course, we have characters that are going to be in the show that haven't shown up yet. You know, we still have Agent 13. um, Mm -hmm. We have Zemo. We have uh, she's the young. She's the girl who's not really the villain in Solo. I know she's, I think, part of the Flag Smashers. Um, and it's, so it's going to be really interesting to see how this is all going to play out because at some point, Bucky and Sam still are going to have to get together. They're going to get the shield and then he's going to start training with it. Um, and I think by the end, we'll see him kind of being the new cap. But I do as much as I might think that there's a pacing problem. I, I did like what this episode set up. I did like seeing mm-hmm. Rhodey. I, I liked Sam's kind of. I'm tr- again. I'm trusting the government to do the right thing. I'm putting this away because I don't want it in the hands of bad people. And then getting that ultimate betrayal at the end of the episode, seeing yeah. him him walk out with it. Yeah, um, that was the worst part. You're like, man, yeah. it's that same guy, the old guy with the white beard. Yep. I don't know if they said his name. Uh, I don't think I don't if they did, but he's like a DOD guy. So I mean, I, yeah. I knew. Um, but that was definitely one of those. I, I don't know, man, if I was roadie, maybe I would have tried to pressure Sam a little more from not doing that. Like, even if you don't feel worthy of it, like you hold on to it. Like, don't don't give it away. You um, know, I, I would reference a a, a, a Simpsons episode because because you can almost see it, see it happening here. Look, Lisa, I can you can pause it to the right moment. You can see his heart break. And it's like <laughs> that's you can you your stomach drops with Sam in that moment. Yeah. Going, oh, man, because like at that moment, he knows mm-hmm. I screwed up like I shouldn't have trusted them. I shouldn't have done this. And, well, I, and too, you're like, did they probably played the Smithsonian, too. So oh, the Smithsonian yeah. is probably pissed because they're like, we paid to have this you know, display and now you're taking it and you know, there's, there's everybody's pissed. <laughs> well, but it's also the government. So it's like, what can the right. Smithsonian like, do? <laughs> what do you expect? Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's still, I guess, technically government property. Um, yeah. You know, with Steve's relinquish relinquishing of it. Um, yeah. So, no, I have a question yeah. real quick. Sorry, before no, I forget fine. it, because a couple of the reactors I watched, cause you know, I like to watch their reactions after I watch it myself they automatically took the assumption that old Captain America had died and it was like some sort of dedication to him. And I didn't take that interpretation of it. So, okay, this is where I'm going to come from it. 
I don't think the the greater world knows that Sa- that Steve's old. Yeah, that's what I didn't think that anybody else knew. So I thought this was just like a, you know, because Torres was like, did you fly him to the moon? Is he yeah, on a moon yeah, base? They're, they're, like people don't know where he's at. Right. And uh, because my guess is they would kind of come out with a statement that Cap was lost in an accident and trying to, you know, return the stones back or something like that. You know, they would come up with some type of cover story. So then you would get the conspiracy theories of, oh, they're hiding him on the moon or, you know, he's with the interdimensional elves that Alex Jones (laughs) likes to talk about, Um, you know, something like that, because. I'm more under because especially with Feige coming out and saying Chris Evans is never returning or is not returning as Captain America. I'm more of the mind that we will see old Steve at some point. Like I, I just because he's been so kind of adamant about that, that it's like I can see him being adamant if it's something special that they plan for, like the, the sixth episode. Like, I'm not mm-hmm. expecting it to show up in, like, episode two, three, four. It would have to be something they would do in the final episode and minor and, and still be old Steve. I don't expect, you know, n- normal young Steve to ever come back. But mm-hmm. I-, I could see that being a nice, like, little nod, like he can finally go to Steve after he's really kind of donned on the mantle of the new Captain America and and like you know talk to him that i finally see what you saw in me or something like that have a moment like that you know yeah so no i i don't have any thoughts or inclinations to believe that steve is dead right now yeah and i just i don't know if they were just assuming because you know as the viewer we all saw old steve right and they kind of were like this looks like a funeral is old steve dead and i'm like i didn't i i don't i don't know but it's one of those like I didn't see anything that indicated that to me, but I'm, you know, what did you see that indicated that to you? Right. And I mean, cause if I, I would think that if that were the case, we would see more of Bucky being kind of down uh, yeah. or in mourning. And right now he's only focusing on what he's done in his past and how he can make those amends. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm really interested to see what's going to come, uh, next in in the sense of like what is going to get Bucky and Sam together and uh, I will assume it's him kind of coming up with the idea to get the shield back and Bucky's the only person he can rely on Um, but I'm very very intrigued to see where the show's going to go Uh, it's kind of sad that it's six episodes because it's going to feel like it's over too quick Um, but I'm very optimistic for it uh, and, and yeah, go oh, ahead. Sorry. Fine. Well, I was going to say, is Loki coming out like a week after kind of like this came out kind of a weekish after? Unfortunately, no, that's the one. OK, thing. they don't have that planned out perfectly because Loki's not till June. OK, so we're going to have a big space. Yeah. Yeah. We'll we'll have about a month and a half to two months in between uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. And personally and it's probably because again covid impacting stuff they might have had it planned out where you know they would almost come out a month from each other but having the delays that they had because of covid and stuff like that that they're like okay well we can sacrifice a month and a half or two months uh and then you know that gives us those two months to get these other shows shot loki comes out everyone's focused on loki and then everyone's focused on that the next one after that and then they got spider-man and and all the other cool. ones to worry about uh and you know in a million years when black widow and flashpoint get released <laughs> uh we'll finally get to watch those so uh, i feel so bad for that black widow movie i'm like they just need to put it on disney plus and be done with it yeah they've they've really unfortunately given scarlett Sh- johansson the shaft yeah. <laughs> with, with with her character with uh potential movies with character development for herself mm-hmm. like Joss Whedon set up some great stuff and and it might be might surprise people that I'm talking some nice things about Joss Whedon today when I wasn't talking about Joss Whedon in a nice light in the Justice League episode but <laughs> Joss Whedon did some great stuff with with her upbringing and, and kind of you know we did only got flashes of it so we were getting to understand Natasha's background more 
and then it's never really kind of getting expounded on. And now we get this intermission movie that Mm -hmm. is going to finally develop some of those things. But it's like ultimately we've talked about it in WandaVision reviews. It's not going to really matter much. Like we don't really care because we already know the outcome for her. Now, Mm -hmm. Florence Pugh is going to like take her mantle on uh, for future movies and stuff. Then like it'll be more important to watch it for her and understand her motivations and her development but then we'll be focusing more on Florence on in later movies rather than Scarlet, you know? Yeah. So, well, outside of that, I don't have much else to say. I'm really excited for the next five episodes, the next five weeks. I'll be doing mm-hmm. my getting up early before work <laughs> and getting them watched right away. Uh, uh, so with this episode, I think I'm going to be landing on a three and a half I mean, that might sound a little bit low because of kind of the praise I've been giving it. But there are those few things. And I think ultimately that pacing just it started out so high and it never got back to another high moment. And maybe a little bit at the end with with that reveal. But it just like it went from that 60 and then it stayed at 20 the rest of the episode. And it was just focused on character, character, character. And mm-hmm. I expected maybe a couple more moments of not big action, but some more action moments. And we got that, you know, really only that one other instance. Yeah, I kind of was expecting maybe a little bit of an action, something with Bucky yeah. more than him driving the senator around in her car. Right. I was kind of expecting kind of like you said, like maybe that girl was going to pull out a gun instead of battleship or that something was going to take place that was going to kind of initiate his path to needing to get to Sam. Right. You know, sort of a, like for their stories to converge. I was kind of waiting for that moment, and that didn't really happen. But again, I I would probably say three and a half, too. Just as you were talking about rating, I was going three and a half, four, three and a half, four, <laughs> but probably three and a half. Just for like, I liked the character development stuff with Bucky. I find his storyline a lot more interesting and engaging. Yeah. Not that everything about Sam isn't, but it's almost like for me, Sam's issues or the things that he's dealing with, with like the loan and stuff like that is more like, I don't, I don't mean drama like melodrama, but it's like a drama, like a regular TV show that you would watch that I wouldn't watch because I get bored with that. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like I, I need the sci-fi things or the other things to like make the story interesting to me. Like, I'm not watching All My Children or things like that because I find that sort of stuff boring. You're not like, watching this your is stories? Us. Huh? You're not watching your stories? No. <laughs> yeah, I think This Is Us was, like, a big one people were talking oh, about. Yeah. Like, stuff like that I find really boring. It's not engaging to me. So his storyline of, like, having an issue with the bank and kind of dealing with his sister and stuff like that all kind of falls a little more into that realm for me where it's not as interesting. And I'm just kind of waiting for them to kind of bring it, bring it around or for him and Bucky to meet up. Yeah. They, I think they just kind of, they front loaded too much of, of his character development. Like they, like I said, again, the, the wharf scene I really liked, uh, mm-hmm. I, I liked him kind of butting heads with his sister a little bit on the boat. And I did even like the moment where he was trying to get the boat to work, you know, and, yeah. and that was also really fun. But the the whole bank stuff really just drug it down. And um, it, it just it didn't right now, at least it didn't contribute to anything in the grander scale. You know, it just was. It wasn't really necessary, mo- necessarily moving the story forward. It was just showing this is Sam realizing, you know, the plight of his of his sister and her kids and what they've had to deal with while he's been blipped for five years. But it was just a little too heavy. Uh, like a, a, you had the great idea and I was going to rec- recommend it, but you said it first was maybe we could have shifted that to the second episode. Yeah. Uh, just to break up because you're doing a lot of character development, uh, not just with Sam, but also with Bucky. And you shouldn't have either one of those necessarily outshine the other. And I think had they stuck with just the wharf scene and the Bucky stuff, they would have been on par with each other as my interest level. 
Mm-hmm. Um, because again, I I liked when he's talking to the guy uh, who's like, "When are you gonna let me borrow them wings?" And he goes, "When you pay my sister back her, <laughs> that hundred dollars." And he's like, "Oh, that's cold." You know, it's just like that was yeah. that was good. That was good dialogue. It was good interactions. But the bank stuff, and mainly maybe because I just didn't like the banker. Um, that's maybe what hurt that that scene and that development for me because it was just like. Ooh, me, I'm a super fanboy. Also, you're declined for a loan because blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and it's like, uh, and then and then the audacity to ask, hey, can I get a selfie with your arms up? It's like, no, I don't think any person, no matter how much of a fanboy they are, after they decline someone a yeah. life-saving loan, would have the audacity to ask for a selfie. Right, that's, that's really out of touch. So... Yeah, I think that that's really what kind of just drags the episode down for me. But I, I still liked it. I I, I mm-hmm. also liked that it was forty nine minutes. Like it, it it did feel like it justified its runtime. Whereas I know our our kind of criticisms of Wandavision a little bit were only getting kind of like twenty minute, thirty minute episodes, and then some longer episodes later on. I like that this one started out long. That I won't necessarily mind as much if episode two is like a half hour flat or something like that, um, mm-hmm. because at least that means I'm probably getting more maybe action driven scenes or more plot driving scenes, and that character development stuff that bulked that that runtime is out of the way. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I don't have anything else to say about. It. Do you have anything else to say about? It? Nope, looking forward to more. All right. So uh, you can look for our episode two review uh, in the next episode podcast, as long as everything goes well. Um, And we don't have uh, Leslie just mumbling words through a microphone (laughs) and me going, um, can can you repeat that? Or we could always have you have a... I'll just text it to you. Yeah, we can have you have a notepad and you can just show me on Skype what, what you have to say and then I can read it off so everyone can listen to my voice for... Uh, you know, over an hour of conversation with myself. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. Well, thank you again. Uh, We appreciate you listening to the podcast. Uh, I hope you guys enjoy the double release this week. Uh, You know, let us know what you thought about our Snyder cut review. Let us know what you thought about this. Let us know what you think about the podcast in general. Um, We appreciate any rates or reviews on whatever podcasting service you use you can always write into the podcast at criticsnotcynics at gmail.com. As I mentioned in the Justice League episode, uh, you know, we got new mics and new equipment and we're kind of in the process of learning some stuff. But we've got some big things in plan for uh, our second year of podcasting because we're we're coming up on that here in April. Um, a lot has changed since I started the show. You know, Pat <laughs> started joining on, even though he said he would never, never join on a podcast. And and then we got you involved and you've launched your own show and stuff. And uh, it's not not what it was when I started this all <laughs> on my own. Uh, and I like how we're growing and you know the whole point of it being kind of to create this network and stuff like that. And I feel like we're kind of getting to that place. So we appreciate your guys' support. Um, you can uh, follow us on Twitter at Critics NT Cynics. Uh, follow us on Facebook at Critics Not Cynics Podcast. Right. Obviously, I said where you can write into the podcast um, and you can follow us uh, on whatever service you use. We're on Podbean, uh, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, Audible, Amazon Music, basically just about wherever you can get your podcasts. And we will talk to you guys next time. <laughs>